Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded, from Disaster Recovery Journal and its flawless business resilience. Now, here's your host, Vanessa Vaughn. Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn, the founder and chief resilience officer of Asphalus Advisors. We have an accomplished guest lined up today speaking on the topic of civil unrest and employees. So let's jump right in and meet our guest, Terry Howard, the senior director of FEI Behavioral Health. Terry, thanks so much for joining us today. And thank you, Vanessa, for having me. Can you tell our listeners more about how you got into the world of crisis management within behavioral health? So I think a lot of people, when they think about crisis management, think about the incident itself, right? What FEI has been able to do is partner that incident management of principle or philosophy along with the people support. So I actually spend my time working on preparedness, response, and recovery as it relates to how people can prepare, how people respond, and how people recover from those critical incidents. Gotcha. So as it pertains to civil unrest, I guess the first question I have for you is, what is civil unrest and how does that play into your role? So that's a really good question. And I have to say that it's been very interesting over, I would say, the past four years, how this idea of civil unrest even fits into the category of crisis incidents or critical incidents. And when we talk about civil unrest, we think about community disruptions that impact people both inside that community and outside. We've been getting lots of requests to come in and speak to kind of the polarization that's in the workplace as a result of uh, kind of the political discourse that's out there in the country right now. And as we started examining that and talking to Uh, more people, what we found is often when things are impacting the community, in fact, it impacts individuals as well. So that certainly has an impact and reactions of what happens on college campuses, in the workplace, and uh, certainly even in the homes of individuals. So we've started looking at how can we put some tools out there for people to grab onto and help them through, again, preparing for, responding to, and recovering from those events or incidents. So you mentioned college campuses. You mentioned things that are happening in our political climate. Can you provide our listeners with some examples of civil unrest so they can kind of get a clear picture of what that means? Certainly. So uh, domestically, that would involve things like the protests uh, in Charlottesville uh, not too long ago. Certainly, any number of officer-involved shootings has also, it's been in the news, and as a result, certainly there have been protests as, as a part of that aftermath of those types of incidents. If we look, you know, worldwide, certainly what's going on with the yellow vests in France are all examples of events, incidents that are happening in the communities that impact people outside the community. So I absolutely love this topic in this conversation because the one thing I find that just makes me wonder is people, we know that in America that there is a 
there's a challenge with race and gender and equality, but people seem to not want to have the conversation and not want to address it. And so when I think about it from a crisis management perspective and what's happening in the work environment, you have so many different groups of people but the challenge is, is that we're, we're going home, we're watching things on the news, and then there's no outlet to talk about these things at work, or, or there's no safe way to do that. So that kind of tees me up into my, my next question for you is, why has there been a rise of discussions on racial and gender inequality, income inequality, gender discrimination, and opiate abuse, and healthcare? What's the reason for the rise? So I think... I think people want to have the discussion. I actually think people want to have the discussion, but there's no safe place to do that. In other words, it becomes my opinion and perspective versus your perspective or opinion, as opposed to bringing those perspectives into a safe place where people can, A, listen, and I'm reminded of my mother who always used to say, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Uh, And that's because we really should be listening twice as much as we're actually using our mouths to communicate, right? And uh, so listen to each other, uh, really appreciate the differences, understand perspectives, and I think agree to disagree if that ends up being the case with a degree of dignity and respect. That's not what's happening as a part of a lot of discourse that that occurs uh, in the rise of the incidents or events that I talked about. People just want to scream their opinion. But I think it's the time is ripe to have these discussions in a safe and respectful manner. The rise in requests around issues like equity, diversity, inclusion, implicit bias are all great conversations to have. And it's not just around gender and race, but sexual orientation, diversity of thought. But it requires people, A, making a commitment to listen to each other, and two, uh, walking away with a level of dignity and respect intact. Love it. <laughs> you, you said that very, very well. The next question I have for you is, how does internet-driven interconnectivity impact employees about issues in their community? I'm not sure the length of this podcast would give me <laughs> enough time to actually answer that question fully. Uh, here's what I can tell you. The internet has, while given us an opportunity to be closer, uh, has also found its way to divide us. And I say that because there are certainly those occasions where information gets put out there that is not necessarily accurate or appropriate in terms of the discussion that we're having today. But by the same token, podcasts like this, various trainings that you can get online are ways that will bring us closer together as a community, a community big C. But we have to take the time and filter what is real and truth versus what might be more propaganda in nature. 
So pretty interesting. Fun fact, there's a FBI Citizens Academy in the city that I live in, in Charlotte, and they were talking about the Russian influence and how they leverage discrimination and racial inequality in America to really divide this country. And so, of course, they've been able to do some research on that influence through our elections process. But it's interesting to me how what they were talking about at the FBI, how it ties into the things that you're discussing here. Yeah, that that is interesting. But I I would say that actually unfolds itself into conversations that you're having at the dinner table and conversations that you're having at the water cooler. Uh, So there are some people that are grabbing on to some of these ideas and concepts and letting it drive their thought process so that they're coming to work with these opinions that, that that people are very passionate about. And so when we communicate on that emotional level, it's even more difficult to be able to have rational truth come out of any conversations that we might have. So it's a challenge. There's no question. So do you think crises outside of the workplace can be much harder to control? And if so, why or why not? Well, I can tell you that we actually took a look at the number of EAP calls coming in after the election of uh, 2016. A sharp increase, right? So people are concerned for various reasons. And so they wanted to talk about it with someone. I think no matter how hard we try to shield the workplace from these events that are happening outside, there is no question that the day after the election, people were not as productive, (laughs) right? So people wanted to talk about what happened. And I think it would make sense and behoove the workplace to actually provide a vehicle for employees to talk about these things so that they can be present at work, so that they can be more productive at work. The more that the workplace takes ownership that the communities in which these organizations or companies are based uh, will have an influence and impact on the employees that live there and work there there, I think the better off we're all going to be. So I live in Charlotte, and a couple years ago, there was a uh, shooting of an African-American male and an officer, and it was followed by, you know, very passionate people on both sides that may agree or disagree on various, you know, matters. And then that led into a peaceful protest that then went to a protest that was no longer peaceful. And so my question to you, and it happened in downtown Charlotte, so many businesses did not have their employees come into work. There were small businesses that were impacted by that. They couldn't get anybody to come into uptown Charlotte. So from that perspective, as you think about the global unrest that you've talked about and the impact on employees today, what can an organization do when they're facing the risk of civil unrest from both within and without of the walls of the work environment? So just as we advise and make recommendations in advance of severe weather, 
right? There are tornado watches, warnings, hurricane watches, warnings. We should be doing the same thing around the potential for civil unrest. Let me say that. So there is no question in my mind that typically these things are planned out in advance. They don't typically just happen, right? And so with that, we've got an opportunity to talk to our folks, to have some policy, internal policy around our expectations of people outside the workplace. So that's what we can do in terms of being a little bit more proactive and prepared for these things. But I don't think the next day after such an event as you described, you can expect as an employer that people will come back to work and business as usual. So taking the time to have town hall meetings or huddles within uh, teams that exist in the workplace to actually talk about this with the end game being how can we as a corporation bring some harmony back, respect each other, and understand and appreciate equity, diversity, and inclusion? So do you have any published materials that our listeners can follow up and kind of read about from either you or from the, the organization that you work with? Sure. So I would suggest uh, listeners who are interested in learning more, hearing more, go on to the FEI website and look at various trainings, case studies that have been published around this issue. So that website addresses F-E-I-N like Nancy, et.com. So findnet.com. And how can our listeners find you? Certainly by going to the website and putting in an email, I will get that. Uh, just say that you want to have some more conversation with me or would like some specific resources uh, that I, I use as a part of my trainings with organizations around the country, that will get to me and I will follow up. Well, there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and Espolis Advisors. Subscribe, share, and look out for future episodes. Business Resilience Decoded is produced and edited by John Seals. For more information, visit drj.com slash decoded and espolisadvisors.com slash decoded. Write to us on Twitter at drdecoded.